Hey, this is James Fitzgerald, and welcome to the Big Dogs Podcast. Um, I'm not even sure what episode it is, but thanks for uh, tuning back in. Also, uh, I guess a second apology is due. I said I'd be a little more frequent uh, with these and specific topics, but uh, since I got back to AZ, had some things to take care of, um, had some mechanical things to fix on this. I've always had one uh, leg that wasn't as good as the other, and that leg needed to get cleaned up, so I'm resting here, and my brain is sharp. Um, and I'm here today to talk about the structure of fitness competitions, just the history a little bit about it, and then also some future perspectives that I have on it in order to help the sport grow. Um, before I get to that, though, we're going to uh, talk about uh, sponsorship and the indirect, I don't know how I would name it, I guess, the, the sponsor that doesn't know that they're actually sponsoring. I think one of these times, this could be one where it might get me into trouble, um, but we'll go for it. Uh, Beaver Fit USA is sponsoring this podcast today. Um, check those uh, that group out. I just spoke to Pat Odell, I believe, um, from Beaver Fit USA. We had connected through one of my coaches and indirectly. Beaver Fit was um, a proud sponsor of the USAFF uh, Nationals, and uh, they gave a little warm-up, uh, one of their take-home box items with all kinds of equipment. A little box comes in multiple different forms. I'd ask you to check them out. You get a home gym from Beaver Fit, and uh, they are indirectly sponsored with the podcast today. Um, a brief history uh, so you know exactly what we're discussing. We're discussing today the historical structure of fitness competitions, and that really has, if you think about it, that really has taken um, a multiple, it's taken multiple forms, let's say, over Ooh, I would say 14, 15 years. Uh, the reason why I say that is, um, you know, prior to the advent of dot-com and CrossFit in general, there was different forms of fitness competitions. Um, as you know, in the early 90s, if you said you were a fitness competitor, people thought you were taking your clothes off and getting on stage tanned and browned and bronzed um, and looking good partially naked, um, or you were doing some physical fitness acts up there. There was also the weird commercial stuff like, um, you know, the the athletes going up against stars on TV, um, and there's some cool shows uh, based upon that. There was also, that I participated in, um, some little offshoot multiple event style activities in a day that resembled like firefighting competition. One I participated in for a couple of years called Toughest Calgary and Alive. That was 1999, 2000, 2001, I believe, um, where you had to prepare for a whole bunch of different kind of things for a day. Um, as an example for the Toughest Calgarian Alive, um, I hope I don't get this wrong, but it was a, it was a fun event. Um, another day for another longer story. But uh, you started the day with a 5K cross-country run, um, and then you did, I, th I think it was, <laughs> it was probably only 100 meters, but I think it was a 200-meter swim in the pool. Um, the reason why I say it was 100 because it felt like it was, I was swimming across the English Channel when I did it. Um, but it was a 100 or 200-meter free swim. <laughs> 
I actually held on to the side of the pool. I actually asked for a lane with a side of the pool so I could uh, I could move my way along. That yes, that really did occur. Um, Brett Marshall is laughing really hard right now. Um, <laughs> everyone else dove in. I jumped in, got my goggles ready, and then swam. I kid you not. This could go on, but I won't. That was the second test. The third one was a rope climb, a 20-plus foot rope climb uh, legless from seated position, and you couldn't grasp the rope, and it was for time. It was a pretty cool event. Um, then it was an 80-meter sprint on a track, um, bench press uh, 1RM, uh, AMRAP strict pull-ups at the time, uh, Duff Gibson, who was an Olympian for Canada, he had this little like kip thing that he could do that none of us could figure it out. And the guy was, I swear he was around 200 pounds. And he could just pump out 40 plus reps. It was crazy. I think I got 20 something maybe. Um, anyways, that was great. And then the day finished with like this really cool four or five minute obstacle course, kind of firefighting implements, jumping over things and carrying stuff. And it was a lot of fun. I digressed a little bit there, but I was just trying to give you an example of the historical structure of different kinds of fitness competitions. Um, if you have also any knowledge of old fitness structural competitions, don't hesitate to share. Um, tag me, jfitsopex, either on, uh, well, Instagram preferably. Um, and uh, you can tag also Big Dogs Podcast. And I'd love to see some really old school events that were done if you wanted to share. Um, I'm just into that in the physical culture and old physical culture style testing events. Also, just as a side note, I won't go on this too far tangent bring myself back, but I love looking into that old stuff. I was currently looking at primal patterns and where they came from, and someone was picking on me a little bit because um, I had said primal patterns in what we use for OPEX for movements, and they were, they were saying, you know, underhandedly with their tone that Paul Check came up with that, and Paul probably prob probably brought it into existence for people to understand, but those patterns have been going on for a long period of time. Um, and I got, I got this old uh, Army, um, cal, I think it was called Army Calisthenics 10X program or something. And you look inside of that program and getting people fit for the Army, and lo and behold, you know, it uh, clearly outlines pushing, pulling, lunging, core, bending, and squatting patterns, you know, within that. So I think they were they were always there. <clears throat> They've always been there. It just makes sense. That's how humans move. So we're probably doing different kinds of, you know, strength or challenges to imply that. Um, but that's what you get when you go for that rabbit hole based upon the patterns. Okay, I did come back. Um, it shows also the strength of my brain and my brain mind and my mind brain right now. Um, that's what I'm currently reading, Archaeology of the Mind. Um, it's a fantastic book, and it discusses that in context. And it shows right now, if I can come back after that little digression there, that I'm, my uh, neurons are firing really good. Anyhow, into the 2000s, um, I was on .com. And that was a fitness competition. That was a daily fitness competition with anyone who ever wanted to do it. And the odd time, there was actual little fitness competitions going on because three, four, five, and then it turns into facilities when they started affiliating for CrossFit. Those were little fitness competitions, you know, every day. So what came from the dot-com and everyone doing a fitness competition throughout the world every day turned into these organized whiteboard sessions, right, where people would actually take whatever's on dot-com or their own training program in the facility and then they would do a fitness competition, right? And the the beauty of that, um, I will get to in terms of one of our missing links in it, but the beauty in that is that it was in person, 
and that it was structured based upon the people that were participating. And I think that's where we're largely going wrong with fitness competition and structure today and also where we need to take this puppy long term. Um, and I need everyone to get behind that. And the only way to do that is, of course, to create language and create some ideas on it. And, uh, of course, criticize the bad ideas. Um, so we're not going forward on that, but also uh, give options. That's what we're here to do. After this structure, of course, the 2007 games came up, right? Uh, where I can remember even in 2005 or six, we were doing CrossFit classes up at the old OPT. Uh, Brett was running a lot of them. Um, and we had, I can still remember, we had some weekend competitions where we pulled up all of my clients for OPT as well as people in the area and those that were interested in CrossFit. And um, we had fitness competitions at OPT. And they, um, they resembled, you know, your local fitness competition, you know. And the beauty around that was that we were in person. Uh, any ability was necessary. But this is the key point that I want folks to focus on is... Uh, it's called a folks-is. Uh, you have to give the specific tests that are going to be pertinent to the audience in which you're testing. And I think the current setup based upon structure doesn't allow um, us to close the gap to move it from a sport that can be participated in at multiple different levels. And I'm talking about actual ability up to a up to the highest continuum, okay? And so this there there is a sport you know, um, out there, there's lots of them actually, that you can participate on a very rudimentary level, but you can also participate on an Olympic level. And there's lots of things, of course, that bar you from being the best in the world at that, which would be, you know, expertise and practice and genetic talent and all these other things. But um, our sport is largely limited by perspective and perception that they we think that, well, we and a lot of others think that you have to be able to snatch 185 and do a legless rope climb and run for 400 meters a couple times and that's what dictates you to be able to participate well we know it's not that and it's not just a scaled version of it but what I'm saying is that we need to really open up our minds to what would be an entry level fitness competition that still doesn't push on that area of being unhealthy but allows people to actually test their fitness ironically it's happening probably in every OPEX gym because every client is being tested to their own potential of fitness but if we're talking about an organized structure involvement of a sport, right, where health is not the priority, we still need to do a better job of closing that gap. And that's what used to happen in those initial, um, you know, group events in these specific affiliates or gyms. And there was a number of people, by the way, not to knock on cross, but there's a number of people doing like getting together and just doing fitness together that might have resembled CrossFit. They may not even know they were doing it or that it even exists. I used to do it with my clients. Um, it's just in multiple different ways. Um, but that was the original form of it. And then, of course, the 2007 Games, you know, was a uh, no regrets, obviously, uh, for for myself or a number of other people based upon that. I mean, it turned into something pretty powerful to today. Even if, you know, even if you just come in a couple of years ago, it would look like a shit show today. But, um, you know, from my perspective, it's definitely grown to a, a more optimistic around what it has done relative to the to the bad actors that are inside of it for different reasons. Um, but that 2007 games obviously started this concept, right, of like, well, what is this global fitness competition as a standard that people can look for? Now, the reason why this is important in history is that, as you know, of course, I believe that all people who are participants, athletes, and coaches within the sport need to know the history. That's, that's not, you know, what I'm trying to get at here. You need to know that in history because 
that starting point as to what that fitness competition was and what the tests that were inside it largely gave us perspective as to what to prepare for as well as what to coach. Now, this is a much missed point in the argument for structure as like we do have an IF3. And that's generally why people have lots of hesitations because they only know constant variation and drama and they don't know what structure can do. And what started with the 2007 games was at least we could wrap our heads around a couple of things, okay? There was a date, um, you know, forget the entry, but there was a date, there was three tests, and it's something you can look at, right? So lift something numerous times, run long, and do a chipper or a Mekon or a uh, hopper, you know, with mixed tasks, WMG, right? Rowing, push jerk, pull-ups. Rowing is cyclical, push jerk is loaded, pull-ups are gymnastics, you know, beautiful combination of what they believe to be those tests. So we could wrap our hands around it, okay? Now we move into 2008, 2009, it still somewhat resembles something, right? Because we still have a little bit more guidelines now as to how you get in, right? And that grows. Of course, we're going to get to that story, but that grows. But we still have this, you know, July time frame and some form of a, you know, uh, April, May uh, qualifying opportunity, okay? Now, you can just imagine if that's where it stayed, right? If that's where it stayed, if all the, you know, uh, all this turned into collecting as many opportunities as possible from people on a local uh, state, region, national level, just imagine what that world competition would look like back then if that's what we stuck to. It'd be a much better structure. Um, but what happened is that in 2000 to the, 2008, 2009, and even into 2010, but of course that's where things changed a lot with us, uh, with the sport going to California, is that we lost this idea a little bit more as to how you train for this, right? How you prepare for this. Now, I'm not going to go down the deep saga of why it's so important to have some structure, but I'll just say that it allows you to actually have a future for both coaching and athletes. And when you don't have structure, there's no hierarchy or, or balancing support to operate a constant varied system inside of it. That's the downside of it. Um, and if you, if you do not have that, it doesn't mean it's not going to have enjoyment, but it's not going to have utility. So we get to 2010, 2011 upwards, we still do have some structure. Now, of course, the game has changed, right? Largely, I believe behavior wise, the intent was a dramatic difference. So there was like different groups, right? There was pre 2007 group. There was a 2007 to 2010 group. There was a 2010 to 2000. 13, 14 group, and then there's 2014 to 2017 group, and now there's a 2018 plus group. And those are all different folks with different intentions in the sport. Uh, with the changes that happened in 2010, information technology and sharing and perception and social capabilities, etc., we had this different structure in the fitness events because a lot of people did it, I'd argue, even 50% because they were going to be feel like they're someone more than what they are. There's nothing wrong with that, but they did it for the wrong reason. You still had 50% of people who did it because they loved the sport, okay? That's where we had that, you know, clash, of course, going to California and then this perception of the sport, and which is ironic, of course, because that's what got the whole thing into trouble as of the past year uh, was based upon that. Anyways, I digress. Based upon it, back to the history and the structure, 
That's why it was important to have that structure. But it's important for you to know how those things changed. If you don't know how it changed, just go back and look at the history. In 2009, we used to have this, you know, you know, two or three people um, just having these calls every couple of weeks. If you were in your region, plus you had some CrossFit HQ representative, and then you were talking to some other people in your area, and you're trying to organize sectionals, what were t- then called sectionals, which turned into regionals over time. But we had to just organize shit, and it was it was honestly a shit show because all the tests varied, and you had lots of people complaining about standardizing and scoring, et cetera. But that I means just the learning curve, right, of going up. We could have had structure right from the beginning, but we didn't, right? And I'm saying we because I was a part of that. I didn't choose to, like, step up and, you know, toot my horn and make some changes. So I'm not going to, you know, blame anyone for not having that structure. Uh, I am coming back around with IF3 and hopefully to build some structure to it over time. Um, but, you know, we did not we did not have that. But it's important for you to know that as I preempt the, the history and structure of the sport, you know, because you can start to recognize, and I'll just make it simple for those who are not necessarily an athlete or a coach listening in from Xmodal. You can just imagine going into a sport a year later, you know, if you're a powerlifter, and they're like, oh, yeah, we have a weighted dip in there now. You know? <laughs> and I just imagine the powerlifters listening in being like, you know, you probably just lost me on the call, but that's how we lived in our sport. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know, and you know the weighted dip? Yeah, um... We're going to do that three weeks earlier this year, you know, and this is like six weeks out, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> so there's always lots of unknown variables. They would sell the unknown variable uh, based and slap that over fitness at the, the intent when really they were just, you know, run around their heads cut off and basing it all on logistics, right? And Enter- entertainment. Um, and we know this now because it's just we've been burned way too many times from it. But it's important, you know, to know where that history um, and structure came from. Some of the things that are uh, limiting the current structure, um, which is, um, I've spoke about it at length in multiple different ways, but um, a couple of the things that we really need to, you know, focus on for the future structure and my proposal of what that would look like, which is like a traditional uh, sport setting of growth and organic structure, is that um, the online situation, I'm not saying that I'm going to give an answer to it here, but the online situation really messed up the sport um, because we got so partnered up with using technology. We just believed that that would be an answer to a whole kind of thing. So we thought that we'd be able to scale, um, you know, all kinds of shit, including fitness competitions, just by having people do it online and then show up. Um, and there's a lot of issues in that. Um, the, the the couple of things besides the fact of like new technology we're just getting into now of loops and videoing editing and etc like i mean i'm guaranteed people have been doing it for a couple of years based upon some really great video editing and you may be like well they're still not the tops well it doesn't matter they're taking 150 or 6000 spots from someone else so it is happening uh secondarily they could be fudging it based upon the local competition where they are and don't be an asshole and think that you you can't be too naive to think that that's not happening okay so that is happening um, but the, I think the main thing is that you don't get to create this structure and honor for the sport of getting people participating at a local level against other people, you know, and don't just say to me, well, I mean, in the opens, you can do Friday night lights or whatever. It's not the same. You know, I'm talking about doing a couple of different events at a local area altogether because there's truth in that, right? You get to rub elbows with other people. There's something about being in the trenches and getting bloody 
in that event that leads you to earn the right to go to a regional setting, you know? Just think of it in this, just the structure of a sport in general. So the online limits that. Another thing that's not, that's always talked about, and I'll just reiterate, is that the online situation always limits capabilities for what you want for the testing. So how common is it where we get to the regionals and people have to run 5K? Or get to the games and people have to run outside, right? And that's just one example. But there's a lot of stuff that's not tested. And I, you know, with a lot, I mean, like we're talking, we're talking, who, 10 plus modalities, 10 plus things. And if you believe that those modalities you know, are not necessarily a weak link for Matt Fraser. I would agree with you, right? But are you really, really serious making the argument that you think there's thousands of other people that, you know, that that can't run a 5K, you know, to save their life or even go upstairs, but they can win a couplet of pull-ups and thrusters, um, that that's a fitness balance? No, and those things get missed out, right? Uh, you all know, too, if you're fans of the flywheel bike like I am, you all know that that machine has some serious, you know, differences when it comes to body weight scenarios, etc. So it's it's ir- irony that we have 50% of an 18-minute workout where people have to spend time on a rower, right? But we everyone cries blasphemy when, you know, small people have to do a flywheel bike, right? So just just think really hard about that when you think about the modalities that are not chosen inside of those online selective competitions. So if you're an organizer out there and you're like, oh, let's do this online because we'll just, you know, select the right kind of people, find a better way to do it. And I'm just going to leave you with that. Of course, I'm going to give you some options for it, but find a better way to do it. If you want to have a big competition in person, um, then you should have some qualifying standards. And you should have um, uh, an idea as to who should be in and who should not by actually having them in place do some kind of pre-qualifying efforts for you, right? So just like any sport out there, you have to meet some qualifying standards. And so we'll get to that. Um, but that's, that's just one of the areas why it's limiting, especially for the current structure. What I propose, which is inside of the education on mixed modal, um, for any of you who are interested in that, just search opexfit.com and uh, search for mixed modal education. In that, I've written up a extensive, you know, conversation piece on how I think we should fundamentally use traditional sport organization to grow the sport. And I think one of the ways is going to be through the structure of the testing. And in that uh, education, I give this layout of what's called a local to state, state to region, region to national, national to world, world to Olympic standards. Um, just by classifying specific events, it also allows us to close the gap, which is what is not happening right now with the acceptance of this being a sport, even at the rudimentary level. Now, again, I'm not saying it's healthy, but I'm just saying there's some issues with the entry into it. And we close our eyes to that and just put it online, but you're sorely missing out on it being a sport that's respectable and an opportunity for amateurs and the local level that could still, yeah, I'm going to say it, that could still possibly be healthy, you know, as a complement to what's inside of OPEX gyms, as I mentioned, you know, just testing people every four weeks on these little battery tests, right? A back squat 1RM and a 30-30 times 4 row. I mean, that's inside of our testing protocols in our gyms. But, you know, what I'm saying is we could have some, 
you know, closing the gap on abilities just based upon structuring the test. So there is demarcation as well, not just geography-wise, in between these testing scenarios. And I obviously didn't come up with that. This has been within different scenarios of uh, te uh, testing of sports for a long period of time. Um, the, f the fundamental reason uh, that I propose to do this, and I would propose you use this as a structure to grow the sport, is that I want you, it should be a global sport. I don't think that uh, cost, it should be cost inhibitive. I don't think it should be, um, you got to be a member of a gym inhibited. I don't think it should be um, geographically inhibiting. Um, you know, it's a sport that you got to get good at a bunch of different things. Um, we classify them into aerobic capacity, strength, uh, gymnastics volume, gymnastics skill, um, mixed modal ability, and then power. Those are six events that we classify for structure. Um, on a separate topic another time, I'll tell you why that structure is in place and the positives that we had and the empirical evidence from the uptathlon, decathlon information, as well as just growing a sport. You need to have structure of the sport and we have six events it's very clear that's what the IF3 is that's what we're gonna go down swinging with because we feel it's gonna allow the public to have some idea as to what exactly is inside the sport what are you testing well I'm telling you what we're testing we're testing aerobic capacity strength endurance skill mixed modal and power that's our tests and there's a lot of things that can go inside of it right there's so I mean it's like it's like Rob Wolf talks about with the options of herbs and spices and oils and vegetables. Like, give me a break. You're complaining you don't have enough options of variety. You obviously just never put it into practice. I forget what the math is, but it's freaking millions of opportunities. So there's lots of opportunities to vary up all of this inside of that. But the thing why we need to have that structure, not only at a geogra geographical level, but for the weekend or the three days or whatever, when it gets to the Olympics, it'll probably be a six-day event based upon its intensity and volume and, and uh, ability is it allows the coach and the athlete to fucking know what we're training for, right? What are we actually going after? What are we trying to get out of the event? At a local level, you're going to have a very low intensive, probably single event scenario, right? That it's not complex, not a lot of volume. It could be just an hour long event with 20 minute segments with a couple of different things in each of the 20 minutes, right? Maybe you have a standard load stone uh, lift in the first 20 minutes, right? Where anyone can do it. You can't lift a stone? Okay, well you make the attempt. Yeah, You can lift it multiple times? Okay, do it as many times as you can in 20 minutes. And then from 20 minute timer on to 40, I give this example to mixed modal, um, would be jump rope and rope climbing. You know? You can't climb the rope? Okay, fall down, burn your hands, and land on the pad. You know? No big deal. Right? So there's, and you do as many times as you can in 20 minutes of that. And then the last 20 minutes, you see that flywheel bike over there? you got to get as many cows as possible. That all adds up for a score. But you're seeing, you see what I'm saying? There's lots of different modalities inside. just that we can't stretch our brains enough, our brain-mind, or our mind-brain. I'm calling it brain-bind here. We're not stretching our brain-mind enough in order to realize the possibilities that can occur inside of that 60-minute time frame. And that's what I'm saying going back. I think we just, we just need to be more critical thinkers in order to grow the sport, in order to make it something that's going to last past us as physical beings for a long period of time. And I'm not saying that should be your proxy, right? Don't use that as a legacy component. I'm certainly not, but, you know, you know, why, why get in it if it's not going to last for a long period of time? I mean, I, wouldn't you like to see some real cool shit in 10 years at the Olympics of, you know, 
uh, you know, wouldn't you, are you, if you're listening in uh, Slovakia, wouldn't you love to see a Slovak kid at the Olympics on the podium waving that flag in, you know, third place, of course, <laughs> behind the Canadians, <laughs> um, you know, at the Olympics for functional fitness, you know, wouldn't you like to see that? And wouldn't you like to see that kid today at 15 and know that kid and then see them there at 25, right, in L.A. in 2028 on the podium? This is that's what should drum up your idea. And if you if you believe in that, if you like that idea, yeah, well then you need to criticize bad ideas. You need to criticize the current setup for coaches and athletes within the sport, which wins for 20 people. And it wins for the for the managers and the agents of these 20 people. That's what it wins for. And they're not bad actors, but their intention is based upon helping those around them. I get it, but it's not to grow the sport. That's not the proxy they use for it or the sole purpose why they do it because they focus on what's going to make it popular you know entertainment and logistics and it's not based upon structure and organization so it's got to be that beautiful meld right of feminine masculine energy um, in order to make it grow and the masculine energy inside the structure is being met with the with the feminine energy of the variation inside the tests and that's how the i3 will make it over time but at that local level, you need to recognize what that looks like because you just need to imagine like I did back in 2004, pre-2007 CrossFit Games. And I had, you know, um, actually I, I won't name her name, but there was a lady there, one of my clients. She wasn't, she was obese. She wasn't clinically obese, but based upon the um, medical definition of that, she was obese. But she was able to do the three events that day, right? You know, she didn't finish first. She actually finished completely last. But... Um, and it wasn't, you know, she wasn't invited to do it based upon um, anything other than the fact that I wanted to make sure everyone who went to that competition, if you were really good, well, you just did it faster or did anything fast. But I made her capable of doing whatever, whatever was there inside of it, okay? And that would be a local competition. And I think we need to have more of those. It also will open up all the micro gym models, you know, the, where there should be you know, an Orange Theory team there, and there should be a F45 team, and there should be a CrossFit team, there should be an OPEX team. Um, you know, and we should have these people all competing, and they, they're under the umbrella of IF3. Why? Because it's a sport, right? It's a sport. It's a local sport, and they know that they're not going to go to Kona for the Ironman. I'm just giving that as an example, right? No. They just wanted an hour-long workout to see what their fitness is like, right? So I think we need to start structuring that more effectively. Now, there, there would be, and there is, a, it's a lengthier call, maybe another time. I say that a lot, don't I? So I probably won't, won't get to that call, but it is a lengthy, um, what the qualifying standards look like for each of these. If you want to purchase mixed mold, you can go ahead and do that, because I explained a little more detail inside there based upon the events that I, I say you know, should be there. But after local, you, you're good enough to go to state if it's called the province or a state wherever you live, but that's where you'll be competing. And if you don't have states or provinces where you live or your country's so small, then there'll just be like these multiple community competitions, right? Like I had a conversation with one of my CCP coaches in Luxembourg, you know, that he's probably going to have local, state, and regional all in one competition <laughs> based upon the size. Uh, same thing as Grand Caymans if you're down there. Uh, you know what I mean? So, and like, you, then we would have issues, of course, geographical, like in Australia, right? Which is always the case, even in CrossFit. But, you know, they have, when they get to state competitions, you know, um, when you get in the middle of that big, you know, rock down there, 
um, it gets gets a little hairy because how do you organize state competitions? You know, and population density, of course, has a part to play with that. But in the state competition, you're probably getting into a little bit more multi-event settings now, right? It's still one day, but it's probably a couple events on that day, maybe two, maybe three. It could be two. Um, and you're probably starting to test people's physical skills a little bit more. Why? Because the physical standards and the, and the qualities needed to get inside of it are higher. So you have to have some form of, you know, um, uh, placeholder. Yeah, that's the word for a placeholder as to what you're going to have in structure of it. Because then everyone knows how to get there. Now you know how they're going to get to state. Is that they won or they did really good at local, right? That's, you see how these, these can just scaffold easily. And the story out from here out is a little easier because now you know how to move from one to the next and the differences in qualifying standards. But after state, yeah, there is region. So to give an example in Naples, you know, OPEX Naples, they'll have a team, right? They'll have a couple of people from their, not a team, what I'm saying is they have a number of individuals that go and compete in this local competition. It's just people that have been doing fitness for a couple of years, not trying to win at anything, really. Just They just want to participate like a local 5K run, you know? Um, and, th and they're there. Um, and then, you know, there's, a, there's an athlete down there who's a coach at OPEX Naples. Um, and uh, he does well enough in the local one where, you know, he wins, right? And so he wins and he gets a ticket. Ticket to what? Ticket to state, you know? So, but, but Naples, as well as Tampa, as well as, you know, Miami, as well as Dayton, as well as Tallahassee, um, I'm pretty surprised, actually, how many places I know within Florida. I, I visit there often. I actually shouldn't be. I'm lying on that. I shouldn't be cheating. But, you know, a number of these people all get together, and they compete at the state, right, state level. And obviously, that's a different competition, right? If you're going to travel, you know, five or six hours <clears throat> or nine, like some people may have to within that state, um, you know, but suck it up. It's a sport, right? So you want to compete at the state level, you got to do that. You know what I'm saying? They may be there for a couple of events on one day, you know, three events on a full Saturday, and that's their state-level competition. But how'd they get there? They won at the local area, right? And this is the thing. At this state level, no locals are just showing up and playing. You can't, right? You want to show up and play? You needed to win at Tallahassee, right? If, it, if it's, Let's just say that it, the event was held in Tallahassee. Please, God, I hope Tallahassee's in Florida. Um, so it was held in Tallahassee. You can't like walk off the street in Tallahassee uh, because you've been busting it on Friday night, busting arms on Friday night at the global gym, be like, oh yeah, fitness competition, I'm down. Um, <laughs> as if you'd sound like that, right? Oh yeah, fitness competition, I'm down. <laughs> if you were busting on Friday night and saw a flyer though, I thought about that. I thought I was fit as shit back in the day. I was doing bodybuilding. So um, you can't just do that. You have to, of course, have won a Tallahassee in order to go to the Tallahassee State Competition, if that's making sense, right? Because there'd be qualifying standards for that. So if you came as like, oh, I want to compete, some of the organizers should say, well, sir, in, uh, in uh, 12 weeks, we're going to have a local competition. You can show up and do it then, okay? Okay. You know, he shows up, he does the stone lift, and he can't climb a rope, and then he just gets aha moment, right? Like Rich Froning. So, okay. I got a couple things to learn. Let's go back and put it to the table. Never know. He may be the next for phoning. Why? Because you created structure, right? You didn't allow him to do it um, and just scale it out. Make him do these stupid versions of knees to elbows um, as a scaled version, okay? Not picking on people who've done scaled. You know, I'm not like that. But uh, that's how I see it. That's, that's not how you determine who participates in the sport. After the state, you go to region. The region could be um, just like the Dirty South used to be. Oh man, those competitions down there were, were savage. 
um, the talent pool and the amount of people that, uh, I don't know why I'm focusing in this area, maybe it's just the energy based upon using it as an example, but can you just imagine, you know, just it, even Georgia and, and Florida alone down there and the amount of talent that came out of that area? Whew. Um, you add some states around there and you got some, you got some good competition. Anyways, those who fought in the dirty south uh, years back would appreciate that. Um, that that's a regional competition. Now, of course, that's a two-day multi-event. It's a little bit more complex. You're probably getting into asking them to express uh, strength, speed activities, right? Snatch and clean jerk is prominent. Probably more dynamic gymnastics activities, maybe four events over two days, right? Maybe having a bigger, bigger cyclical event, maybe a true hopper style. But you know what I mean? The people that got to the region, remember the example I'd given you in Florida? All those competitions that happened, right, in Florida, you had representatives from, from Naples, um, Miami, et cetera. They all went to the state level, right? And there was four people from there that went to the region, right? So when you get to this regional level, these people, I mean, they're not, they're not the Friday night bodybuilder, right? They're, they're quite fit. They're fit as shit at this level. And this is the, this is the emblem that we've had previously which is ironic as to what the what kind of athletes showed up at the regional in the true definition of the CrossFit regional. Remember that? Where it meant something to get to the region, right? And even to have your, I mean, if you don't believe that, go look at the historical context of people that took their fucking sign home of their name from the regional, okay? So if you don't remember how proud people were for that, we still have access in our gym of those signs that are littered on our wall. Why? Because it meant something. Okay, so the level of fitness that you're at is the regional level is quite fit. Now, the reason why I'm hammering on just this specific level is that the quality of standards to get here are really fucking tough. But then secondarily, to get into the next area is pro. And this is why we this is where we break this like lifestyle versus pro level. Okay, because in order to go to the national level. You know, just imagine the talent pool out of the Dirty South previously that went on to the games. Yeah, that's the that's the talent you need to get. Now, this is important. This is because this is where it gets tough in structure for the world. And I know CrossFit is dealing with this painfully. And they, they made an attempt to kind of weed people out from talent and absolute talent. You know, but I really just think we need to raise the standards of the teaching and coaching of the sport within the country. And you know, we have just not done a good job for the past 12 years to do that. And I propose to fix that with my ideas within IF3 and the growth of structure and education. But you have to remember that. I know we're only talking about the talent pool from the Dirty South as an example, but there has to be a Dirty South in the Congo as well, right? And Zimbabwe and South Africa, right? And Egypt. Do you know what I'm saying? And if your point is, well, it's just not popular enough, there's not enough people participating there, well, then we have to fix that as the growth of the sport in each of these countries, which is what we're currently doing or trying to do. Briefly, how we're trying to do that, education first and foremost, recognition of what is a sport and recognition of governance and recognition of how to train for the sport. We're starting there, okay? That'll certainly help. This is also where, side note, where Beaver Fit may come in, but I'll just I'll just add them in as a spon indirect sponsorship again as a name. <laughs> That's probably definitely going to get me into trouble because they're like, no, 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 we haven't signed anything with IF3. Um, 
So at the regional level, you have that great talent. But when you move to a national level standard, the qualifying standards are obviously very high. Just, just imagine that, right? So remember, the qualifying standards to win at the national for the U.S., it will be the same in the Congo. This is, this is, the, this is the difference where we get a little awry and what CrossFit has done is they wanted numerous country participation, but they didn't say you need to have an absolute level standard of fitness. They just said you need to be best in your country. Now, there's a different side argument on that, right? And it's a good one, right, that there's like 80 countries that just don't have the talent. Well, that doesn't make it right for them to show up. Olympic sports been doing that for a long period of time, right? Like, you know, I was trying to find a funny example of the, but I did a bad job of it. Remember the Jamaicans showing up to the bobsleigh, right? Um, that was, you know, good and admirable, but it was a shit show right in calgary go back and watch that one cool runnings i think it was called it was funny as shit good story uh candy was classic in that classic candy great outdoors another great one um and go back and check out um canada's version of uh snl um shit what was it called with marine uh what's her name and john candy shit i have to put that in the show notes that i don't even have but i'll come up with it maybe i'll remember when you get to the national level, your fitness level is really good, and you're probably at a, what we're calling a national level or carded, or you're at a professional level. So that means that you're most likely doing the sport um, full-time. That means you're fully sponsored either from the government, uh, your local na- nation, um, or from private institutions that are basically giving you money to get better at the sport along with you and your coach. Okay. So that's the differentiating factor in that structure that, yes, there will be a lot of people around the globe for at least a couple of decades that will not reach qualifying standards. But I believe this is a sport that's not limited by that, right? So, for example, you can't win at ice skating in Zimbabwe. Uh, well, maybe you can. You know, Don't mark, mark my words for it, but maybe you can't. Um, but uh, I just wanted to make that point that, they're not limited by having access possibly to um, physical fitness, right, to get up to that point. I'm not saying it can't. it's going to be easy to do, but I'm just saying we need to have qualifying standards to get people's entry into winning at the national. Now, if you can do those national standards and compete at the national, well, of course, if you win at your national group, you're going to put the USA flag as an example on your back, right? You're proud to say that you're on the American team. And we won't get people, now this is not a nationalistic, cosmopolitan, you know, uh, populist kind of idea that I'm, I'm, I'm shoving down your throat here in case you're a little gun shy based upon that conversation. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying that it's quite important for us to get behind the, the longevity that's required in the sport by us being proud of the fact that we're representing our country, right? Uh, so this is, and believe me, I do I do not want to enter into that conversation around what the American flag or what your country's flag could represent, and what peop, you know how it can be used, especially today, incorrectly as a wand or a gun, in different ways. Um, but I think within sport, it still has that opportunity to be something that's special to wear your flag, um, and to represent your country. And if you don't like it, then get the fuck out of your country. That's my honest view on it. Um, or don't participate. But I believe that um, we can do this on a, on a uh, national level that could raise the ability of the sport, which allows participation even under high 
elite levels, right? So just want to think about it. Maybe there's some sports that hammered on that, but um, if you're really good at national qualifying standards, then you could have a chance to go to the world championships because, for example, in athletics, I know that in the USA, they they uh, push a lot of people onto those world standards. Why? Because they're fucking good, right? So if you get 12 of them reaching a world standard in a 200 meter, they should be able to go to the world competition, right? So we need to have that so that the, grow, the, the sport can grow, but also so we don't have Usain Bolt up against you know, an 18-year-old uh, kid who's run 100 meters a few times, right? So you can't have that um, just because you want to have inclusion. That's just not going to create structure in the sport long term. So at the national level, as you can see why I spent time on the region, at the region, you're probably still going to like be able to write a book about it and, and tell your friends about it when you're 45. Well, I won the region back in in 2015 you know um but that's as far as you got it's kind of like the old story the guy is talking about you know how good he was in high school football and everyone comes back i'm just getting these flashes of has anyone ever watched cloudy with a chance of meatball i'm asking a question i'm getting no response from but if you ever watched cloud cloudy with a chance of meatballs <laughs> remember that remember that big fat kid who was in the store had the diapers on he not he used to knock over the fish and he was the popular kid in the neighborhood <laughs> and he's still these big fat older kid where he knocks over the the, the the guy in the fish in the fish store knocks over his fish and goes uh oh anyone who's seen that movie right now is laughing really hard if you haven't um, well you don't need to go watch it but that really hits home with what I was talking about there with the with the funniness I digress but once you get, you'll be telling regional stories and then when you go national you're pro that's basically the difference now on the world level this is great timing because um, only this week we're having the world championships for IF3 go on in Malmo Sweden. Um, and uh, I'm pretty excited about the, the fact that we're getting this done and we're doing it year in, year out. It shows that we're going to have some long stay um, and uh, um, that the IF3 is doing the work that's necessary uh, on, on their own dime, on their own time, um, and we're just doing it because we want to build the sport. Um, also, I should note um, to uh, uh, just to... Uh, ensure people recognize that the purchase of mixed modal portions of every purchase of mixed modal goes towards uh, the IF3 so it's a donation towards the IF3 um, I just wanted to make that point and we have numerous opportunities if you are interested in growing that sport just reach out to the IF3 you can contact me um, and we can let you know if you wanted to be a part of it in some way shape or form Anyhow, you get to the world level, you're obviously past being a pro, and you are now at the national championships. You got your flag on your back, and you're shit proud, damn shit proud, whatever that means, shitty shit shit proud, um, to be there and represent your country. Um, and then lastly, which we haven't seen the light of yet, um, is the Olympic level competition. Now that's what's going to bring it all together when we see a champion, male and female champion, um, at the games in 2028 in LA um, that's going to be the shining moment um, to allow some structure and organization for the sport um, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that happens there um, and what I'm saying here is that for the structure that's the pinnacle in the structure largely because it has existed since 1896 um, I do believe in in sport I do believe in the sport ideal um, professionalism in sport I've got a different conversation on amateur sport I do believe there's some 
light at the end of the tunnel. I'm more of an optimist. I'm also biased, of course. You need to know where I sit on that. I know there's challenges of still providing monetary income for athletes and coaches to survive in that. That's never easy. You talk to any system, and that's just never easy to find you know, um, you know, money uh, within the amateur sport setting in order for people to do it for a long period of time. I don't want it to turn into a professional sport only where we have you know, just 150 athletes making a good amount of money on TV every couple of weeks doing a head-to-head. Um, I don't want to see the sport move that direction. I don't want to see just uh, you being, you know, having lots of Instagram followers and that entitles you to go to a world level competition in fitness. Um, I don't think that's good for the sport as well. Um, I want to see it, you know, put through governance. And I think, as I had mentioned, I think that's going to close the gap on these previous issues. Um, it's going to take away, obviously, the the shit stuff that we have and our preconception, preconceptions of the online system and how this was built. Um, in order to build new structure, you have to tear down not only what is currently doing. I don't mean braid it. I mean just got your thoughts. I gotta, you got to change your thoughts. Um, I think it was a bunch of bad idea, ideas, really, that have just currently, they're just bad ideas built off emotions. Um, and I think that's not the way that you decide upon structure for the sport. And I would posit that I think we need to start focusing on building education uh, for the word of the sport around the world. Um, I'm I'm taking that on uh, to to grow that um, so that you know it's not being limited based upon cost, and so we can really improve it. Um, and we have uh, a concept now. You know, we need to have local. We need to have state. We need to have regional. We need to have national. We need to have world. We need to have Olympic level. Uh, competitions, qualifying standards, and naming, because that naming will create better structure for it. And then, as I said, it'll close the gap on a lot of the issues we have today um, as well. Um, you know, help us appreciate what the growth of sport's going to be. So to recap uh, for today, thanks for sticking with me. I uh, talked about the historical structure of the sport um, and how we got to this point. Um, I said why it's somewhat limiting is the current structure. And then I gave you some concepts along with some... Uh, indirect little hits in there for things you can go down some rabbit holes and try to discover. Um, if you need uh, some coaching in order to, um, you know I have to finish with this, right? You can't finish a call without talking about the power of uh, our big dogs and our coaches. Um, just contact us. Go to thebigdogs.com um, and we can help you navigate your way through this sport. Who better to do it than uh, the originals that started this thing? I mean, we started this online coaching thing indirectly. Um, well, there's probably some other people, but I was one of the first ones back in 2006 um, before the games. Some people reaching out knew that I was doing .com, said, can you do this? You know, just email them back and forth on the dial-up, you know. Um, it's been many years now we've been doing this. We've got a, quite a refined system. We've got a lot of great coaches, and we can help you out and navigate yourself through this sport. Um, and I don't think there's any better place to do it than with the big dogs. So come and see us. Um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. Um, if you want to uh, hit hit us up, I don't know how you do that, but, you know, hit us up. You know, how you do it. Just hit us up. Like us, subscribe, do all those things. Um, I hear all these podcasters talk about what they have at the end. You know, um, I guess I'm supposed to say those things. Come and see us. I'm not sure what that means. Hit us up. I'm not sure what that means. Like us. You, you can tag me, maybe. J Fitz Opex. 
while you listen to a big dog's podcast and the podcast podcast and then I can share the story and we can we can share in social we can be socialing together that would be awesome um anything that's going to help grow the sport thanks for being here today folks take care Thank <laughs> you.